We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Today, I want to talk to you about our sponsor, BetStamp. Now, I know what you're thinking. Derek, another betting app? What is so different about this one now? Well, I got to tell you guys, I'm not into online gambling a whole lot and bets online and everything, but I got to tell you, BetStamp is one of the coolest things I have ever seen in regards to betting online. The great thing about BetStamp is it allows you to see all the different odds from all different sports books and see which one provides you the best odds possible for any game or scenario you want to bet on for your pick versus some of the worst. BetStamp allows you to also buy and sell picks that you have without worrying about losing your money or having any issues with it. Believe me, it's all free. I mean, look at this, guys. You have an option for every game across all different kinds of leagues. In a ton of different ways. You have baseball, you have college football, UFC, NBA, and NFL. Great for the NFL season now being here. And if I wanted to bet on this Tennessee Titans versus Buffalo Bills game, it shows me in real time what are the best odds, which sports book I'm going to get the best offer from versus some of the worst ones. Because why would you want to spend what get earn less money from points bet when you could be winning more from ProLine Plus? Again, a great thing that BetStamp offers you, allowing you to make more money for the same pick just with a different sports book. How easy is that? And the great thing is, is there's not just games. There's player props. There's game props. There's lines. There's live tracking. There's a ton of great ways to make bets and picks on BetStamp, guys. Totally a cool thing to use. I highly encourage you check it out if you're into any kind of online betting. Even if you're not, give it a check. See what you like about it because I think I actually enjoy using it. But the best way to get an edge on online sports betting is having multiple accounts at different sports books. Be sure to hit the bet link page, betstamp.app slash onboarding. Be sure to check out the betstamp app or online and be sure to use the referral code juice plug in your state and you'll get access to all their affiliates and their prices once you open up seeing all states lines be sure to check this out guys you won't want to miss it for the best odds on your next sports bet
What is going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back. Bring the Juice listeners to a Bring the Juice podcast live stream. Got on with me, my two friends, um, actually my two other podcast hosts from the Factually Football podcast, Andrew and Adam. Guys, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Doing well. Happy to be here. Happy to be back. And uh, I think I speak for all of us when I say I'm looking forward to getting things started. Yeah, brother. Thanks for the thanks for the invite. Absolutely. And guys, before you even uh, tune into this video, one thing you should do: you should go check out our channel over there at Factually Football. I will drop a link here in the description, so be sure to do that. I'll drop one in the chat actually as well. Um, so be sure to do that. But guys, um, you know we were talking about this after we recorded our most recent podcast a couple of days ago, right? I think it was was it Wednesday night when we recorded that, if I remember right. Um, Yep. The days all run together. But anyways, <laughs> it was such a good conversation. And if you guys can't tell by the topic of this video or the topic of this podcast, we're talking about the Colts, man, and a lot of the puzzling things going around them right now off of their shutout loss against the Jacksonville Jaguars, now going against one of the AFC's best teams in the Kansas City Chiefs. Adam, I know you specifically have said, you know, you've prepared a lot for this. You're really excited for this. So I'll let you start, man. What have been some of the things that you've kind of taken away and some talking points that we can kind of go from here? Yeah, I mean, um, like we kind of talked off air, you were alluding to on Wednesday, Cody. You know, I'm lucky enough to to have some sources. Um, and just what I'm hearing is disarray internally um, at the organization. You know, how do we get back on track? Quite honestly, there's been three days or two days of me going, how in the world do we get here? This was a team that we were all super excited about. At least I think we all were um, going into this season. And so one of the things that I've been looking into is, were we really just homers, guys? Like, I think that that's a fair question, right? I obviously know we all like the Colts here. Um, but like, were we homers? Is Frank Reich ever really been that good? Or has he kind of been the benefactor of some stuff? So that's, I guess that's what I'm looking at going into here. I, I haven't necessarily made a definitive. I mean, I have an opinion, but at the end of the day, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's still out. I don't understand why the man is still calling plays this week. I think that that for me is the first question, you know, love to hear from, from your listeners, but love to get you guys this take too. Why in the world is a man who runs ridiculously trick plays at terrible times still calling plays and why in the world do we have an offensive coordinator if he's going to? Yeah. Andrew, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, my, my thing is, is, and I, I'll agree. I think some of the Frank's play calling over the last couple of weeks has been head scratching the fourth and goal uh, would look to be like a wildcat type of formation with Hines and Taylor Texans weren't fooled. Then you have the, the week after where, where it's not really the play calling itself, but it's the, it's the lack of, of, of using your quality players, using some of your better players, Naeem Hines. I mean, 30, 30% of the offensive snaps. And I mean, he, I chuckle because it's like, it's, I, I'm still scratching my head. We're almost seven days into, into the loss. And it's, I, I don't, I don't really understand it. And, and I can get like the, the, the idea, the scenario of, well, you know, it, this particular defensive play call called for this type of offensive play call. And this this is the kind of style they ran. So this is the kind of what we used to, to try and match that or try and beat that. Right. But that 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 like pre 
conceived idea or you, it's it's almost as if that was just like the decision that he 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 kind of I I guess let me rephrase I feel like sometimes Wright kind of gets in his own head a little bit and and kind of just goes with the decision based on you know just just things that he's had success with in the past before rather than like what the particular scenario calls for like yeah he had success with a trick play against the Patriots that was maybe a little similar to what he ran against Houston maybe it wasn't a wildcat necessarily he's had success with maybe trying to like throw teams off in a sense right but what is the what is the down what is the distance what does that look like what is that what does that call for offensively and I think if you get too cute in those situations you end up with what you ended up with which was a fourth and goal stop that went absolutely nowhere and in last week's case the only drive I would argue that had any sort of production where the Colts were able to actually move the ball fairly successfully was the first drive where they involved Naheem Hines. I mean, the first play from scrimmage, I think, was a slant over the middle against a, a linebacker or a safety, and it went for 25 yards. And then we saw almost nothing of Naheem Hines for much of the entire game after that. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I, you know, that makes no sense. So I guess I say all that to say, yeah, I, I don't agree with some of his play calling at times. I think it's a little – too over the top. I think the, as Adam has mentioned on several occasions, and I think Cody, as you've mentioned, the the third and one or third and two, fourth and one, fourth and two, straight up like inside zone or, or just straight up inside handoffs where it's like they're stacking the box. They're daring you to run the football. And you're basically saying our unit and our running back is better than what you have. And then if you get stuffed for no yards, now you look like a fool. Um, so I guess that's where I stand on it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's been puzzling to me, and this isn't even just a this year thing, guys. Throughout Frank Reich's tenure, there's always a couple plays, it seems like, per game where you're just like, what in the world was the thought there, you know? And unfortunately, sometimes, you know, I, I was wondering, I was like, why, how come the Colts have been so bad in the red zone sometimes? Obviously, you got to put it on the players and the execution's not happening. But also, it's like just dumb, predictable plays when it matters, you know, not taking three points a lot of times, like doing things like that, where it's just almost like a lack of situational awareness. And it's almost like, and I know we talked about this, like a cockiness almost, like we're going to outsmart you, we're going to outscheme you, you're, we're going to out, and, and you get in your own head sometimes where it's like you make things a lot harder on your team than you should. Yeah, it's, it's um, again, for a lot of you who, who I haven't had a chance to interact with. So again, thanks for the invite, Cody. You know, I do coach uh, as well. So I do coach the game, obviously, nowhere near the level that we watch on Sundays, right? I, I coach younger younger kids, but I've got a crazy passion for the game as well. And, and I will say that um, our head coach and I were having a conversation just last night after we we won. and it, And it's like, there are so many times as a coach that sometimes you do have a little bit of arrogance, but I think it's almost like this coaching staff acts like they don't have arrogance, which makes them almost more arrogant. It's, it's really weird, right? Like you call, you outthink yourself in some cases, but at this point with the body of work that we have from Frank and the fact he pretty much refuses to give anyone the offensive play calls. I mean, he didn't even really give Nick Sirianni the play calls. Now, Congrats to Nick, got a head coaching job out of the deal. But, like, if you actually look at a lot of that, he refuses to give anybody else the play calls, yet we're not seeing a change in, in output here. I mean, 
50 was it 51 snaps last week 52 offensive snaps it jonathan taylor got nine carries i mean to me i think you live in a a cave if you don't know who needs to get the ball <laughs> um and and i just again i guess i don't understand it i don't understand the direction that we're taking it as a team um again the the guys in the locker room are not pleased i know that for a fact i do know that um it is a thing they are very unhappy um to the point that you've got a lot of guys even being more public about it deforest buckner you know and excuse the language here but flat out said we got our ass whooped like that's out there (laughs) you know he wasn't hiding it you know there's a lot of guys behind the scenes that are just as angry, if not more angry. Um, and I got to throw a conspiracy idea out there. You think that's why Darius Leonard's not playing this week? He went full all week. Well, yeah. I mean, what you know, what the Colts saying, what, what actually is happening. Um, unfortunately, I've had to learn the, learn the hard way when it comes to injuries. You just They just never really are accurate, um, it seems like. A lot of times, which is just a bummer. Um, you know, I want to be able to trust that, but I've given gotten no indication that we can, you know, at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, to your point, Adam, of just not getting the guys involved, right? You know, just not doing the things that you should do, right? Like, where in the world is Naheem Hines? You were out your top two receivers on Sunday. Naheem Hines got what? I don't even know how many snaps. You said like 30% of the snaps or something? Like, that dude should be getting you know, a majority of the snaps. Like, you know, especially being down, you know, automatically, even if Pittman and, and Pierce are in the game, he needs to be getting a lot of snaps. But the fact that they were out of the game and he still didn't get a lot of snaps. And, you know, you had guys like, you know, uh, Desmond Patman getting a lot of snaps, not making plays. But guys like Paris Campbell aren't getting targeted till it's too late. It, it just like things like that just make no sense to me. And where in the world is Jelani Woods, man? Like what in the world? You draft him, you know, you have a lot of high hopes for him and he has not seen the field one bit. I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, I I, I was just as confused. Um, I mean, I bottom line is, is, is I was sitting at home taking notes, covering the game, like pre-writing articles and I scored as many points as the Colts did on Sunday. <laughs> Like right. that's a problem, but you know, I, like, I, I don't, I don't understand. It's just an overall lack of execution. I think, and credit to some of the other, you know, other media members that have pointed these things out. They thought left tackle might be a problem, a lack of proven receivers outside of Michael Pittman. They thought might be a problem and look what's rearing its ugly head for a lack of a better phrase two, not even three weeks into the season. We're not even a full month into the season, guys. And we're already starting to have the conversation of, ooh, ooh, left tackle, not great. Oh, man, receiver outside of, of you know, Pittman, who's a proven, I think, number one. Um, they don't really have much. And, and listen, it's not personal. I'm not trying to sit here and take shots at these guys. I'm sure they're all, you know, really good people. But from a just an NFL business-like standpoint, can they play or are they just good rotational players? And I think when you look at guys like Ashton Tulin and Paris Campbell and some of the guys that maybe haven't made a huge impact, they're probably better rotational players. And there, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you have a role, right? Like offensively or defensively or what have you. If you're on the roster, you have some kind of role. What is that role for you? Is that role as a starter or is it as a rotational guy? And I think 
it's just, it's, it's, and I said this kind of talking off air. I feel like Chris Ballard and Frank Reich almost put players in a position to play sometimes based off of how much they like them as people and not so much as their skills from whatever position they're playing. And again, be really careful. I'm not suggesting that they're bums and that they can't play. They're far better than I am at wide receiver or tackle or anything else. But just from a, I feel like when you get the same answer of what well, we really like Ashton Doolin, or we really like Desmond Patton or Patman, or we really like, you know, fill in certain player name here. Right. And then they come out and they underperform. And then we like have to throw our hands up and say, Oh, Oh, we have to act surprised. Or why don't we just go with what our eyes tell us, what we've seen again, it's not to say they're bad players, but, or that they can't play, but it's, there's nothing wrong with saying like, they're more of a, you know, rotational type of guy. Like Ashton Newland had a couple of really nice games for the Colts last season. And then he had a, a decent game on Sunday, five catches for 79, 80 yards. I think he had a solid game, but they're not, they're not starters. I mean, look at some of the, you know, and Kevin Bowen, a good friend of all of ours pointed this out on his podcast. And I thought it was a really good point. So I wanted to bring it up the last five teams to win the Super Bowls. Go look that up. Go look at their receivers. Go look at their tight ends. Go look at their left tackle. Like that stuff matters. When you're in the NFL in 2022, when it's more pass heavy and it's more, can you move the ball down the field? Can you stretch the field vertically? Do you have the arsenal of weapons that it takes to have a successful NFL offense, not just at running back, not just at offensive line, but perimeter playmakers? Do you have those? And, and the Colts outside of Pittman, have a lot of talented guys, but they don't have a lot of proven guys. They don't have a T Higgins, a Jamar chase, a Tyler Boyd. They don't have a Hayden Hurst. They don't have, you know, the Rams, uh, Cooper cup, Allen Robinson, Tyler Higby. They don't have the bucks with Brady and, and Gronk at one point and Godwin and Evans. They don't have, you know, like it's a massive, massive, massive difference. And it's, I feel like the Colts, kind of get in their own way. And when you look at, and this last thing I'll say, and I'll let you guys go, but look at the success that the Colts have had over the last few years with their receiving corps. Remember Phillip Rivers in 2020, 4,000 plus passing yards, 24 touchdowns, 11 picks. Solid year. Colts went 11 and five. You know, we know the whole, we know how the season went. They got solid production out of their receivers. But I, I guess I say that to say this, I feel like that internally Ballard and Reich and maybe even Ursay have in a sense, convinced themselves that hey, we got solid play out of those uh, out of those players with with Philip Rivers, who was 39 years old and obviously on the back half uh, of his career. Why do we need to go make any changes? Why do we need to go out and get a, a veteran receiver when we're getting production out of you know a Zach Pascal or an Ashton Doolin or what have you or a Trey Burton, you know, for example, like some of these guys that might not be second or third string players on other respective rosters because there are guys that are more talented in front of them, why do we feel the need to go out and make changes at those positions if we feel like we've gotten production out of those guys b- before? I mean, if you if you become prisoners of the moment, which I think in some instances the Colts have become, where you're like internally convinced that what you have is good enough, and you, you stick to this level of stubbornness that essentially has cost you for the first three weeks, where you've just and, – and, and I think it's a little contradictory too because we heard Chris Ballard say – well, we can't really count on, you know, some of these guys to to be our number two and number three because we don't know what, what they are as full-time starting receivers yet. And then what do the Colts do? 
They go draft Alec Pierce, who, you know, might turn into a really solid player, but, you know, he hasn't played much because of the injury. Um, outside of that, they didn't add any veteran receiver help. And then tight end. I mean, they drafted Jelani Woods. Like you said, Cody, where's he at? Like, we haven't seen much of him. Is it a, is it a, you know, is, is he, you know, I don't know what the issue is, but he hasn't played. And so I, I guess maybe I went off a little bit on uh, there. Sorry about that. But I, I just, th- that's where I stand. That's, that's kind of my, my thoughts, uh, you know, from it all. Yeah. Oh, okay. Welcome back. Um, yeah, no, I think you're, you're definitely, you're on there. You're, you're onto something there, you know, and uh, it, it's just, yeah, the refusal to make any changes or acknowledge that anything is wrong, you know? And I just personally never understood that. I never understood, you know, just like almost putting your head in the sand and being like, no, we'll be fine. You know, when it's just like, well, no, you know, a good leader, I, you know, recognizes, you know, when things are not right, you know, when things need to be fixed. And for the most part, Chris Ballard has done a good job at that, you know, at least, you know, allocating resources to go make sure that position doesn't haunt you. But for whatever reason, guys, I don't get why wide receiver, he just outright refuses to go get a proven guy. It, it just makes no sense to me. And we're seeing it already. Again, the whole team has not played well, so it's not just the wide receivers. But wide receiver certainly is an issue that could have been addressed or at least put a little bit more resources. At least we know you're trying at that instance, you know, to get some guys. Because what's the point of trading for Matt Ryan and, and, and saying we want to win now if you're not going to get him, like, proven weapons? I just don't understand that. It makes no sense to me. You know, interesting stat. Again, we, we were talking about this before we popped on. Do you know that under Frank Reich's tutelage, it, as it goes, you know, again, looking just purely statistically, the one year he has been better as a head coach from a passing offense scenario was when Andrew Luck was here. He was number two in passing yards in the NFL that year. Other than that, he's been 24th, 20th, and 27th. So can we stop having this conversation that Frank Reich is a quarterback whisperer? Let's start having a realistic conversation. Do we think maybe Frank Reich got lucky? Do we think maybe Doug Peterson shut him up? and made him run different plays in Philly were all of those plays Frank Reich's plays. Did he not benefit from Andrew Luck at first? We've seen what happened since Andrew Luck. And we sometimes throw it on Ballard and, and he makes those decisions, but there's something going on internally here that I can't seem to understand. You know, since those points, you know, you can look and they do have a better rushing offense. So I understand that. But at the same point, like, He's either feast or famine. He can't do a balanced offense. And it it's killing us. And the reality is, is, you know, and, and I would throw this out there. By the way, I think we should get some of these questions. Some of these people have some great ideas over here, Cody. But um, you know, like we keep talking about Pittman as this proven number one, but in fairness, Michael Pittman's in his third year. You can't call him a proven number one. We can. Because we're homers, let's be very honest. But like he isn't proven. He had one good statistical year, and until you do it year after year, you can't be proven. So the fact that they were okay with the room with that with uh, Pittman, they drafted Pierce. Who, in all fairness, I think if you ask them, they would feel they got lucky that he fell there. You got Paris Campbell, who unfortunately for him has been injured since he came in. Don't even get me down the road of how many Colts players get injured that were never injured prior to coming here. 
and then you've got Ashton Doolin, you've got Desmond Patman, you've got Mike Strawn, who's a second-year guy who they didn't give a single shot. It just feels, guys. I don't know if you guys ever played in athletics when you were younger and got this vibe, but it feels like that coach who only plays upperclassmen, and he just plays them because they're upperclassmen, not because their talent level's there. And that's what I'm kind of feeling right now. I mean, what do you... Does that make sense to you? Am I going off on a tangent there? No, I, I agree with you. I do think, you know, you talk about, you know, the different court, you know, the different uh, offenses. I mean, let's let's also not just completely put it on Frank Reich because Chris Ballard, for whatever reason, has had opportunities to get a franchise guy. You know, you can use the excuse all you want. You know, Andrew Luck retired. You know, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. Obviously, you're going to suffer for that. But at the same time, it can't, you know, you can't be, you know, how many years after that, four or five years after that, and still not got an improving guy. Like Frank Reich has not, you know, for all his faults, and I think he has plenty of them, he has not had a legitimate franchise guy since he's gotten here. I mean, Wentz, I guess, would be potentially, but you know what I mean? He's never had the opportunity to draft a really talented guy. The only guy they drafted was Jacob Eason since Frank Reich and Chris Ballard have been there. So all that to say, Frank Reich's not blameless. I think he deserves a lot of it. But Chris Ballard deserves a lot of that blame, too, for he's had opportunities. Like, people say, oh, he would have never gotten Justin Herbert. We don't know that. You know, the Colts were in position. They were 13, I think, that year. Like, they could have, if they really, really wanted to, they could have gotten him. If they really wanted to a couple years ago, they could have got one of those top quarterbacks. You know, like, the opportunities were there, you know, if the Colts wanted to make them. Um, and, and they just haven't. They just have not. They've refused. They keep putting the Band-Aid on this position. And it's killing them, man. It's absolutely killing them that they don't have any rapport with the quarterback and wide receiver. I think that also is a thing. Um, and it, it's just like, you, you know, both sides need to be held accountable here because Frank can only do so much with a different quarterback every other year. You know, it's just so that's kind of how I look at it a little bit. But, I mean, I think I, I think they both do deserve the blame, you know, I think Ballard in certain areas hasn't gotten you know the necessary pieces to help out, but Reich also is not blameless because you know look what he's or what the team has lacked to do has not done. They have not won an opening game. They have not won in Jacksonville. They have not won the division. You know Frank Reich at this point he's had what like two winning seasons since he's been here. I mean these things are issues, guys. They are big issues. So I guess if you count last year, I don't count it as a winning season because he didn't go to the postseason. I, te- I guess technically it was a winning season, but you know what I mean. Only been to the playoffs twice. Like both sides deserve blame here. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll kind of just echo what you said. I think all three of us know, and anybody else that's watching this, there is a receiver that goes by the name of T. Y. Hilton that's sitting at home currently. You don't think he could have helped the Colts this last week? No. I'd venture to say that he might, <laughs> genuinely. At I least think... you're admitting you need help. You know, it's just yeah. like, like look like look what Tampa Bay did. They went and signed Cole Beasley. Like, you know, when they had injuries, they understood, oh, we need to actually get guys who are legitimate proven. And I think that's the big reason why, you know, the Bucks are talented and I think the Colts are a talented team. But that's the reason why the Bucks are going to do things, you know, that the Colts aren't going to do right now under this regime, I feel like. You know, because the Bucs are willing to go out there and do things, you know, make changes, get guys. Well, absolutely. And not only that, but, but I mean, look from a Colts perspective, like, obviously it's a two-way street, right? If a receiver or a player wants to come back, you know, as opposed to what's the team willing to pay, 
what's the contract look like, cap situation, like all these things have to be taken into consideration. That's understandable. But you can't tell me that, that I mean, Desmond Patman, you know, again, it's not personal, but he had a, a, a perfect ball thrown for Matt Ryan, just dropped it. And Paris Campbell, I mean, as you mentioned, Adam, you know, so many unfortunate injuries, um, you, you know, and, and there's nothing he can do about that by any means. But the most impactful play he had last week was an offensive pass interference that moved the Colts back. Like, and and it's just like I I you I can't even find the right words to to it's 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 very just sluggish and 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 frankly, no pun intended. You know, Frank Reich called it pathetic. Like, and that's that's putting it kindly. I mean, the offense, the Jaguars basically said, "We know what you like to do." We know where your weak points are. We're going to stack the box, and we're going to make your receivers beat our defenders one-on-one. They dared the Colts to air it out. They dared the Colts to beat them downfield, and guess what they couldn't do? Beat them downfield. Now, again, it all shouldn't go on the receivers. The offensive line through the first two or three weeks, I mean, guys, I think at one point we viewed this Colts offensive line as one of the best in the league. They've got two or three of the highest-paid players at their respective positions, and they're not showing up. Aside from, you know, I would maybe argue Quentin Nelson's played fairly well, but Ryan Kelly, he hasn't played well. Brayden Smith struggles with speed off the edge. We talked about Matt Pryor being a liability at left tackle, I think. Uh, Danny Pinter, you, you know, I think is more of a solid backup center than he is a right guard. That's just my personal opinion. You know, it all, it all kind of molds together. And then I think lastly, what do you say to your locker room after getting not, not just beat, Getting the break speed off of you, twenty-four to nothing. You you didn't stand a chance from you didn't, start. You didn't get off the plane. Yeah, like you might as well just not even shown up because you didn't show up on you didn't you didn't play or at least it didn't look like it. I mean, and again, it's not to take a shot at players or their character or what have you. Uh, you know, I don't mean any disrespect by it personally, but from a pure pure uh, football like schematic standpoint, they were terrible. They were awful. Like everybody that saw that knows that. And and it's like, you know, as a head coach, as the leader in that locker room, or at least the, the voice that everybody kind of, you know, comes to in, in times of, of desperation, what do you tell your team? Well, we'll get them next time. Like, you, you know, oh, like I, that's what I tell my three-year-old niece when she falls off her bike. Like, I mean, we'll get them next time. Like nice try. I mean, there, there's like, there's not much. And from what some of the Colts reporters were saying, the, the locker room was dead silent. There was almost zero chatter in that locker room. You could hear a pen drop from, from the, from the loss last week. And, and I don't mean to keep harping on, you know, what, what happened last week. We know what happened. It was ugly. It was terrible. And, and we know the Colts are, are notorious for finding ways to climb out of slow starts. It's not that I don't think Colts fans are frustrated with the fact that they're starting off slow. Like it's almost to be expected at this point. I think the fact of the matter is they're frustrated with, with does this feel different? Yes. They've climbed out of slow starts before, but what's the feel of this season? One and five, one and four. That's great. They climbed out of it. What about here now? What about going out and getting a Gilmore or Ngakwe and Matt Ryan? I mean, like you were saying, Cody, like you were saying, Adam, all of these veteran pieces, these were supposed to solve their problems. And they haven't. They, they haven't been showing up, and, and they've been getting absolutely blown off 
the, you know, the, the field the last two weeks. The Texans had a 20 to 20 to three lead. They were down 17 points to Houston. These are two teams that, that I think are in large part are, are regarded as some of the worst in football. Now, granted, they played well, so kudos to them. No disrespect, you know, from that standpoint. But but golly, the Texans and the Jaguars, I mean, it, it, I don't understand it. I don't understand the thinking, the thought process uh, of not adding a veteran receiver, the refusal to make changes in certain areas. It, it makes no sense to me. And honestly, the Colts are, to be honest, they're paying the price. And they've got no one to blame but themselves. If this season doesn't go the way they want it to, you can look back and point to left tackle and receiver and, excuse me, uh, other other pieces around the team. But ultimately, it falls on, uh, uh, I think, coaching issues. It falls on the GM's refusal to make changes in key areas. And it ultimately falls on a lack of preparation and a lack of executions. And, and the Colts have no one to, no one to blame uh, but themselves. Hmm. Yeah, and, and to me, guys, the, the things that we think of when we think of the Colts right now in this regime, I think like the core pillars of this team are all failing right now. You think of the, the lines. Chris Ballard has made so much of an emphasis on the offense and defensive line both of which have looked outright awful the first two weeks, just completely getting blown off by, you know, we would say inferior opponents. Like we would have said that coming into the season. Um, I think that's one of them. Um, you know, I think just being a smart football team is something that, you know, the Colts, you know, they, they try, they say they pride themselves on. We haven't seen that in years, you know, um, you know, it just seems like dumb situations. I was even thinking about this the other day. Sometimes I think, Guys, the wins sometimes when the Colts have won games in like thrilling fashion, um, we kind of just sweep those things under the rug a little bit. Like, I think about, for example, if you remember back in 2020, that Green Bay game that went into overtime, that game should have never gone into overtime to begin with. But the Colts shot themselves in the foot and they had an opportunity to go and just kick or get, you know, just, just end the game. But they were dumb and they, they had dumb penalties, you know. And just things like that, like just lack of execution where it's just like at the end of the day, the personnel has changed a lot. The coaches have changed. The common denominator has been Frank Reich all the time, like off new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, new defensive staff, Frank Reich, same issues still happen. And you would have thought guys after what happened last year, this team would have come out with so much anger, so much pride. Chris Ballard said poison. That's the term he used, right? He's like, I get the poison out of me after last year. The Colts came out and looked like they didn't care what happened. And I'm curious, like, has Frank Reich lost the locker room? Because at least something we can say is as much as we like to rag on Reich for good reasons, his teams at least fight. They've at least shown, like, for the majority of the time, like, they can fight and they are willing to fight. That team showed zero fight, zero accountability, which is something that you emphasize so strongly this year. This isn't going to happen again. Well, it's happening again, and it's even worse this year. So, like, what is the common denominator, you know? And, and and that's just a pillar, the accountability pillar that in the locker room, that's completely failed at this point, completely. I think you look at things that you can change, right? This is like a life lesson from Adam, so, so apologize for those of you who did not <laughs> care to tune in for that. But, like, change the things you can change, right? As a player, I can't change what calls he makes. I can change the effort I make. And what I think they're saying, they wanted not specifically us to have this podcast. They want more of these podcasts to go on. They want for the public to call for Frank Reich's head. They want Frank Reich gone. 
it, they're calling for it in their own silent way, in only the way that they can, because they aren't going to come out, most of them aren't going to come out and be like, he's an idiot. He's killing us. But like we talk about their slow starts, and I know Andrew alluded to it. If we're being honest, we've never had this bad a start since we've been a team that competed back in 07. We have never played this bad against the dog crap competition that we've seen. Those two teams will be lucky to win eight games this year. I actually thought Jacksonville was going to be good. So if you do listen to our podcast, like I thought Jacksonville was going to be second in the division. I think Tennessee's that bad. But at the end of the day, the Colts are way more talented. I think the players have finally thrown up their hands and said, public, come for his head. Go for it. We're tired of the nice guy approach. We're tired of hearing it. We heard that was the whole reason they got rid of Tony Dungy, and then we got Pagano. Pagano did well here. You know, he left, and then we got Frank. Like, let's be real honest. The nice guy approach only lasts so long here. This is a business. You are in it to win. We don't pay thousands of dollars a year per seat in that stadium behind us in this picture to just be nice guys. I go there and scream no matter who looks at me like I'm crazy and I will do it this Sunday. And I hope that they will do something that they've been doing for us for a while now, which is play up to their competition. I'm tired of them playing down as much as they play up. And it's a repetitive thing. And as a coach, if I look myself in the mirror and my team's doing that, there's one solid thing that you can say to yourself that's on me as a coach my team isn't ready that's me that's not the players that's me my job is to get them ready they should be ready to go and i'm gonna read off four names guys or three names odell beckham antonio brown will fuller are you telling me that none of those three guys are better than ashton doolin desmond Patton? Mike Strong. I don't care if you're happy with your room. The fact that you can look us all in the face and say you're happy with your room and those three guys who still remain unsigned are sitting out there, to me, is a problem. I, you know, it, it's time for a shakeup, whether that's coaching staff, whether that's ripping the playbook out of his hands. I don't know what the answer is. But what's going to happen, because the sun always shines on Frank Reich's rear end since he's been here, they're going to find a way to beat the Chiefs. And it's going to be like everyone in Indy is going to be back in Niceville again. But the problem is, is we still have an issue here. And we have an issue. And in fairness, I don't know if it's Ballard. I don't know if it's Ursay. I don't know if it's Reich. But I know I'm tired of watching it. I'm tired for the guys that are in that locker room. And it's just BS. Why not move it around? Bernard Ryman, when he played at left tackle, if you even watch the game, the second he came in, they stopped getting pressure from the left side. Matt Pryor's a turnstile at left tackle. Why don't we move him to right guard if we don't like Danny Pinter? Let me rephrase that. If Danny Pinter's not performing, why don't we move him to right guard? Because we all know that Frank loves everybody, and that's why they're a team in Kumbaya. Kumbaya is a football, guys. This is not soccer where you fall down when you get touched. This is a man sport. You go and you hit people, that's their job. Stop. 
it's just it's too much like i i don't understand what's going on other than maybe it's sabotage i don't know I mean, at this point, yeah, right. It's just I, weird because you know the, the Chris Ballard. They've brought in all these guys. You know that I guarantee you, none like ninety nine percent of these guys. They don't want to be coddled. They want to be like told the truth. You know, they want people that are going to ride them. You know, and it's just like it just doesn't seem like a match with like what you're trying to build in the locker room and the head coach you have, who's not holding guys accountable who is not going to go out there and call somebody out, which I don't know if you should do that publicly, but you certainly should do that in the game. You know, you need to do that. You need to hold these guys accountable. It just doesn't seem like, and you know, it's kind of funny now. It's like, Josh, like I know a lot of people hate Josh McDaniels and I'm going to keep it short because I'm going to trigger a lot of people. I have no doubt Josh McDaniels would have done that. No doubt in my mind, he would have done that, you know, and, they, and I'm not saying they need Josh McDaniels because please keep that away, but I'm saying they need a coach that's going to do that. You know, if they're going to build what they're trying to build in the locker room, they need a coach who's not afraid to call guys out. You know, it just doesn't seem like it's a good match. I agree with a lot of the things that you guys have said. And here's the other thing, too. I I, I wonder just just and this I want to be perfectly clear. This is just an opinion. This is not anything that I'm like trying to insinuate or suggest. How much has the. We're going to keep climbing that mountain. That's grown tired some, you would think, right? How how much how how much can you say? How can you say, well, we're going to keep climbing that mountain, and then the Houston Texans and Jacksonville Jaguars kick you 10 steps down the mountain? Like you're climbing up, climbing up, climbing up. You're feeling good. You're in a good place. You think you've got, a, you know, the quarterback figured out, and you've got some offensive line, you know, um, You've got your offensive line, which you're happy with for the most part. You, you feel good in a lot of areas and a lot of parts of your roster. And then you face, as we've mentioned, probably two of the worst teams in the league. And they're like, oh, you're halfway up the mountain here. Let me let me help you out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick you all the way back down. Like this feels like if you're a Colts fan, just it's mind boggling. It, it feels different to me. Um, than the one and five and one and four starts. And I could be wrong. I could be wrong. The Colts could somehow miraculously end up winning 10 or 11 games, making the playoffs and, and making me, and I think a lot of other people eat their own words, um, you, you know, but I'll, I'll kind of go back to what Adam said. Even if you win 10 or 11 games this season, that doesn't mean that you should just ignore the blatant glaring issues that are staring at you in the face. You can't, you can't be so much of a prisoner in the moment to where you you do yourself and you do your team and you do your locker room a, a disservice by not going out and addressing and making changes. You can have nice players. You can have a a collective locker room that plays for each other and, and that and that you know that cares for each other and, and that's great, right? You obviously want to have a locker room that where players aren't you know, I guess challenging each other all the time and and you don't no, want to. I want them to. I want to win. That's what the game's about. That's yeah, like, yeah. I know what you mean. Like, like I want them to challenge each other. We yes. created this kumbaya. Right. Yes, I agree. Challenge each other, but not to the level of it being toxic. We see right. NFL yeah. locker rooms that are that are dismantled over a season because you challenge each other, but you overstep. And I guess that's what I'm saying is you challenge each other, but not to the level of where you create this 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 toxic to steal a phrase from Chris Ballard this poison that you feel like you have to drain out of the locker room is is it a fear thing 
is Chris Ballard afraid of moving up and getting a franchise quarterback because of whether or not that player is going to succeed? Is he afraid of going and, and, and signing a proven veteran receiver because he's afraid of maybe a track record? I mean, being exposed. Address to Jordan 12's comment there. Will you throw that up, Cody? Yeah, let me find it. It's just, okay. it's toward the bottom. I appreciate the comment, Jordan 12, and I'll speak to it as Cody's pulling it up here. Um, what I will tell you is at this point, I don't want to trade any player out for anything else, no matter what their contract is, because I'm concerned that our internal folks cannot develop people. So I don't care if we get 70 great players. I believe that when they step into what's going on here right now, it doesn't matter how good the player is. The issue is with the organization. So I appreciate the take on the 20 million for Quentin. I do disagree. Um, I, I think he's, I, I do think he's a difference maker in my opinion, but I understand the desire for a skill position player. My concern isn't about the player talent. Cause to me, I don't think Paris Campbell's washed up. He, he literally has a lot more years on those legs. I think he's being misused. So I don't want to go get a, you know, if we look at guys this year, and, and I'll throw some names out there that I love right now, Rakeem Jarrett and Dante Demas from Maryland, Stefan Diggs, alma mater, are starts at receiver. They are going to be something special at the next level. I don't care if I get 10 of them because at the end of the day, I don't have the faith in this current staff and the current way we're calling plays to be able to utilize them correctly. Whereas at least with Quentin Nelson, he knows he's going to block some aged quarterback that's going to be here for a year and he's going to have to block for somebody new the next year. At least we know for the next five years, we've got a couple guys in Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson, and Braden Smith that have the opportunity to do a decent job on the offensive line. And, and that, to me, is better than having, you know, five more receivers that we flat out don't know how to scheme up because <laughs> I think that's the issue. Watch the 22 Paris Paris was, he was 86% of the snaps last week. One target. You can't, if you watch it, trust me, if you're a football person, watch it. He was open more than one time. That's a scheming issue. That's a read based issue. That is a coaching issue. Jonathan Taylor getting the ball nine times. I don't care what the score is. Jonathan Taylor has proven to you, give me the damn ball. Run the damn ball. We all have shirts that say that, right? It's simple. Give him the ball. He gets better. The fact is they're just not calling the plays. They're just not calling the plays. It's like they get to a point and they almost intentionally sabotage themselves. Eight pro bowlers. Yeah. Eight pro bowlers. Yeah. Like, like let that sink in. The Colts have eight Pro Bowlers. This idea, this notion that the Colts are bereft of talent, right? That they just that that that, that the cupboard is bare is is for one thing incorrect in my opinion. Yeah. Quentin Nelson, Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly, as I mentioned earlier, as you just mentioned, Adam, you're paying them how much money per year? Show up. Play better. Like yeah. they have to, when you invest, when you invest so much money in your offensive line and your defensive line, and, and not just from a monetary standpoint, from but from a draft uh, draft pick standpoint, excuse me, DeForest Buckner, you traded the 13th overall pick for Yannick Ngakwe, you traded, I think, a, an up and coming corner in Rock Yassin, who was starting to come into his own. And he has, he, he's done next to nothing. DeForest Buckner, I know he's battling a hip injury, ha, has done next to nothing. And I'm talking about production. 
they they have it. I mean, Quiddy Pay, first round pick. He had the the two sacks in overtime, but I, I didn't really hear his name called last week in in Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence had time to make a sandwich, eat it, and throw away the trash last week. I mean, like it's it's when you. My point is, is when you invest monetarily, when you invest with draft picks, when you invest with whatever it is, and you're and you're not just investing in your in your roster. You're investing in your core beliefs. Chris Ballard has said from the very beginning, you win games by by winning up front, O-line, D-line, and your O-line and D-line aren't playing up to what they're being paid. That's a big problem. I agree, Adam. I think the receivers that, you know, it's a glaring issue. I think I think it is a coaching issue. I think it is to a degree a scheming issue. But I also think, too, it's hard for receivers to get open when your offensive line gives your quarterback a second and a half to throw the ball because he's got Josh Allen down his throat. Like, you know, or on his back, like it's, it's a pro like it's a collaborative effort. It's a problem. And, and it starts from the top down. Um, I appreciate the time. I'm not going to take up too much more. I've got somewhere to be. Um, I appreciate everybody that's jumped in. Thank you, Cody, for the invite. As always, it's a blast, Adam, you know, it's a blast talking with you guys. I will see you uh, next week. Yep. See you, see Andrew. You, Have a good one, brother. Yeah. Don't worry, folks. Know. Cody and I probably still got a lot of chatter. If, if oh, you want boy. Do Keep I um, stick around guys. They're great. See you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You know, Adam, I'm trying not to check the comments because I know there's probably some not nice ones and I'm trying to get away from the toxicity. It's not easy. Um, it's, so it's a, you, you know, it's not bad. In, in fairness, I keep looking at it. So I have multiple screens. So I apologize that it probably looks like I'm not paying attention to you guys out there, but like, yeah. Um, it, it's really not bad. I mean, I think it's what everybody's feeling and I, you know, I, I, it's just me. I like to answer things, but like, I'd love to answer every one of them. But yeah. <laughs> the, the, the reality is, is I just, if, so I'm in sales, I sell things, I sell experience management. So if I went to my boss when I was being hired and I said, I'm the best salesperson ever, and I'm going to come in and I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And five years later, not only had I not done that, but I got you there and pulled you back down and got you there and pulled you back down. Would I still have my job? Exactly. I, I don't think so. I mean, I don't know a company that that would happen. And I wouldn't want to work for a company where that would happen because they wouldn't be causing me to get better. And I'm wondering if that's what's going on in this locker room. Carol Phillips said to me, uh, who we had back in, I think it was 18 or 19. So shout out Carol, if you happen to see this, uh, he was in my car and I was talking to him about coaching my love for football and all this stuff. And he's like, okay, you want to coach, you want to get to the, the D3, D2, D1 level. Cause I told him I never wanted to coach the pros. And he said, so what do you bring to the table? And that's always stuck with me. So thank you for that, Carol. But like, what do you bring to the table? If I'm a player, I'm starting to question, like how many times I got to hear about Frank Reich being a backup quarterback and leading Buffalo to a game. Like how many times I need to hear about a team that he didn't actually, he wasn't the head coach that won the Super Bowl. What, what's he bringing to the table? And that's from a player who's still actually, I think he's in the, he played in the, um, I keep wanting to call it the XFL, but the, uh, that league this last year, the development league, Carol was in there. Um, But you know, that's from a guy who still plays. So if he's saying that to me four or five years ago, and we're seeing this now, what is, you know, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think, you know, one thing we, we talked about off air last time 
that I think would just infuriate me, especially if I was in that wide receiver room, is just the BS excuses that 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 Frank Reich made in his press conference on Sunday after the game. You know, basically saying, "Well, we didn't know that." You know, these players weren't going to play, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't care, bro. You had an opportunity. You did not take it to practice, you know, knowing that these guys were 50-50, you know, like, and he says like, well, I, you know, I thought they were towards, they were going to play, you know, they were going to trend towards playing. It's like, well, you're the head coach. Shouldn't you know that? Shouldn't you get a good indication of what's happening, you know? And so if I'm in that wide receiver room, man, like, I'm just like, just shut up, you know, just stop. Like, stop with the excuses and say, yeah, we flat out were not prepared. Just own it. Like, don't make excuses for everything. You know, it's like it's like going back to, like, what you were saying. Like, you know, if you got that job and you're like, well, why aren't you up to, you know, up to our standards? You say, well, this happened. Or I, I didn't expect that. They're like, well, part of your job is problem solving how to figure out how to make that happen, how to make that work. You know, I get it. Stuff happens sometimes. We'll help you with that. But at the end of the day, that's your job. You know, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what they pay you millions of dollars to do. And so, like, from that standpoint, it's like you just can't make these excuses. Either you own it and you suck or, like, you know, you and, and they're not owning it. And I just I just don't think they are. And and, and players see that. They I mean, they're, they, and they're not happy. I mean, I think it's, it's fairly obvious at this point. Well, I was just trying to find it because I think within his statement alone, he proved that he doesn't tell you the truth. So if I'm not mistaken, Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman didn't actually practice all week, right? And maybe Pittman was a late week guy. I think but none of them. Limited. But like, even so, he's limited. He's not full go. Well, here's the deal. They didn't practice all week. So to tell me you didn't know they weren't going to play and you didn't get somebody looks, who were you giving looks in practice when they weren't playing? Right. <laughs> that to me is just, he's flat out thinks that everyone's stupid. And I'm not saying Frank feels that way about all of this. So it's just me being angry. But like, (laughs) in fairness, it feels like he thinks we're all ignorant and we don't pay attention. They put it out every single day who practiced and who didn't practice. I'm pretty sure those guys missed at least 65% of the practices last week. Like, so to tell me that like Naheem Hines didn't get enough run then what are you doing? You don't let anybody else call the offense. So we know that you are such an offensive guru, Frank, that you got it dialed in. What in the world were you doing last week? <laughs> Kiki right. QT gets some run. Right. You didn't elevate him till late. Like, it's just weird. It's just a weird, weird scenario where it's like, I don't know what you're doing all week. I don't know why, you know, you. I feel like especially on Friday, knowing that Pittman, you know, is most likely trending towards not playing, you would be like, no, we have to like practice. Like we have to get these guys in sync. Like I get it. You were trying to avoid some injuries and stuff, but like, you know, don't have those guys practice then, you know, like the guys that you're kind of concerned about, like that's kind of where I'm at at it. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, in my opinion, Adam, this, like just this regime and that, you know, this coaching staff, it seems like, like, the softness of this coaching staff is now bleeding into the team. That's what it, that's what it seems like to me because this team, when we started, man, you know, the first year of Frank Reich's tenure, you know, they were dominant. They didn't even have like great players on the defensive line, but they were still so much more productive, 
so much more disruptive in his first year. And it seems like every year they just aren't and they can't develop guys. And it's just weird. It's just really weird how it's like that kind of like, and I, I have to say it's from the head coach, you know, like his, just his refusal to, you know, I know not every coach is like this, but his refusal to go and after, you know, hold guys accountable. I mean, it's an issue and it's yeah. now bleeding down throughout the entire organization. That's why the Colts are getting dominated on both sides of the ball. That's my opinion. You can disagree with it. Um, but that's what I see. You know, like I, I see, I watch games guys. Like I don't just say this to like go after a guy, right? This is a trend that we see and we'd rather give it to you straight than try to give all the fluff, you know? Um, you know, no disrespect to Colts.com. Obviously, I love Colts.com, but like, if you want fluff, go over there, man. You know, we don't do fluff here. We talk <laughs> facts, and that's just where I'm at, man. Like, right. you know, after and and it's you know, I try not to get like super emotional here, but it's hard not to when you've invested so much time yeah. into this team and just to see them go out and basically just be complete. It's almost disrespectful to fans just what yeah. they put on the field after all the things they hyped up this year. Yeah. And I want to address some of the Matt Ryan chatter in the in the chat right now. I, I've got to be honest, guys. Like, am I enthralled with the three picks that Matt Ryan threw last week? No. I I can't put this one on Matt Ryan. And I don't, I'm not, I don't actually even think it's time. I don't think it's anything. I think they don't know how to draw up plays all of a sudden in Indianapolis. Not even all of a sudden. I think this has been a, a slowly maturing thing over a five-year tenure. I think they can't do it. Matt Ryan, quite honestly, and and love him for his competitiveness, is literally, I'll guarantee you, when he's watching film, saying, there's no reason I should be making that pass. There's no reason I should be making that pass. He is making bad decisions, but he's doing it out of competitiveness. Last year, I felt like Wentz was making bad decisions out of hero ball. And I don't feel like that from Matt Ryan, even though it's got some of the same sentiments, right? Like they're trying to come back. They're trying to make it. So it's got some of the same undertone to it. But like, I agree. There was somebody who said, get off hating on Matt Ryan. And and, and I'm kind of on that boat, guys. I, I really don't think this is Matt Ryan. Um, I think it's a scheming issue. I, I think you've got wrong players in wrong positions. I don't necessarily think that you don't have the talent. Um, I, I don't know why Paris Hilton doesn't play slot more, right? I mean, he's fast. He's jittery. He's everything you want in a slot. So why does he not play slot? And, like, you can't tell me he's not healthy. He's been healthy all year. He had a little bit of a hamstring ding up towards the end of camp. But, like, Mike Strawn, when he's had the opportunity, has proven that he can catch the ball. Why not put Mike Strawn and Mike Pittman out there on the outside, put Paris Campbell on the slot and run, you know, Jelani Woods or Mo Ali Cox or Kylan Granson out of the tight end slot, depending on what you need. That to me sounds like a pretty tall receiving core that could cause problems and at least threaten you to get deep up on you or for Matt Ryan to throw the ball up to go get, AKA what he did to Julio. Like that that's where Matt Ryan's been his best. Right now, I think he's just scrambling. He's trying to grasp at straws. He's making bad throws. And I don't think he would take offense to any of us being frustrated with this play. I think that's what we got in Matt Ryan. I actually love that about Matt Ryan. You haven't heard him come out and blame anyone, right? Um, I just, I don't know that we've made a concerted effort. 
Um, I, I think this week, you know, kind of maybe switching gears, Cody, I, I think for this week of way or a path to victory, A, you're going to have to outscore them. I mean, that's pretty simple. You can't make it a track meet because they're faster than you. Not as fast as they were with the Cheetah, but, you know, Nicole Hardman's not exactly slow, nor is Sky Moore, nor is Valdez Scantling, and they've got some weapons over there, right? We can't stop the tight end. That seems to be a serious problem. So if I'm scheming, I'm drawing up some kind of defense where I'm doubling down on Kelsey and making Scantling and Nicole Hardman beat me. Um, and the other part is they run three running backs in there. I don't think any of them are even as good as Naheem Hines in fairness. Um, so I'm not worried about that. You've got to stop Kelsey and you've got to find a way to hold them to like 28, 31 points. If they do that, I still think you can win via run with Jonathan Taylor. You just can't stop feeding him the ball when he's got four carries for five yards. Hope that doesn't happen. But if it does look what he did at Wisconsin. Look at Wisconsin running backs historically. This is, you know, after a few guys in a row come from a college and they do the same thing, you got to go, hmm, I think this is a trend here. They may actually be coaching them to do this. But they get stronger. We can go all the way back to Ron Dane. (laughs) Say what you want. The man was an absolute beast, and you could give him 35 carries a game. He may get you 60 yards, but if you were close to that end zone, he was getting you in. And I think JT is a much faster, more nimble pass-catching version of those early day Wisconsin running backs. Mm-hmm. But I, I think we can win this weekend if Frank can close the trick playbook. Which he's never plays. never shown he can do that or is willing to do that. So yeah. I just yeah like and I don't want to like people I've heard the comment I've seen some comments people saying you're bandwagon, you're this, you're that. No, I think I'm a realist and I think I don't like to, you know, just throw around BS to do it, you know, but I honestly think like, and I don't know how you feel about this, Adam, but I just don't have confidence in this team under Frank Reich. Like I just don't like every year I've had issues with Frank Reich really ever since he came here, but especially like the last like couple years, I've had some real big issues with him. Like, yeah. and I just don't have confidence because nothing is changing. You, you, you hear all the talk all the time, but nothing is changing. The same results are happening. You're losing, you know, when it matters, you're losing in big moments, you know, and it's just, it's frustrating. You get way too predictable, way too cute. Yeah. And your team is never compared, constantly underprepared for every opponent early on. And I don't get that. I really don't understand that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's flat out. It's just unacceptable. It, yeah. It's unacceptable. I saw some comments about the AFC South. As crazy as it is, even if we lose this week. There's a chance we can go into t- Tennessee, can come to town the following week, and we could actually still be first in, in the AFC that, South. That's I mean. just God bless the AFC South, man. Oh, my <laughs> word. Uh, that is just insane. Um, but let me ask you this question, Adam. Like, what would you rather happen? You know, because I obviously we want the team to win, but like, like you said, if you, you know, if, if they all of a sudden just get hot and are, you know, kind of, kind of shield some of the issues. They kind of sweep it under the rug again. Would you rather them go on, be like a first round exit team, you know, and double down on Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, or would you rather them just kind of rip the bandaid off? Like, obviously I want to see the team have success, but like, has the team kind of hit their ceiling with this regime? That's my question. I think you win the team back and the locker room gets vibrant. If you cut Frank in the middle of the season, 
it is a completely non-Indianapolis Colts move. They're not doing that, no. Yep, I know. It's a completely non-Indianapolis Colts move. I'm not saying they're going to do it. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you right now, if you want any chance for some of those players to be what we believe they can be, that has to be done. And yes, Kansas City is probably a better overall talented team at this point. They've clearly drafted better um, and, and things of that nature. You know, they they found Patrick Mahomes, you know, but every team finds a crazy ball player in, in the draft. But I think even if you lose this game, to me, you lose the team for the rest of the year if you don't actually do something. You've got to be public if you're Jim Irsay. You've got to be public if you're Chris Ballard. You've got to stop saying, you know, I know this isn't popular opinion, but we're real close. I mean, he had the balls to say that last week. Like, real close to what? Being the worst team in the NFL? Yeah, we are. We are real close to that, Frank. Like, somebody's got to publicly smack him in the mouth and put him in his place. And I think that's the only way you get this locker room back. I mean, yeah, not just disrespectful to the fans, but to the the players that pour their hearts out every single week to say we're not that close. It's like, well, we're apparently not very, you know, we're not very close. We're a lot further away than you think because let's look at what just happened, you know, and it, it nothing has changed seemingly. So if you're a player, it's like, what are you talking about? You know, like, right. so, yeah, I don't know what the, what the Colts are going to do right now, but man, you know, I, I think I'm I'm really interested to see you know, if they lose, how do they lose? Do you know? Do they lay down and do they get smoked, or do they make it competitive? Because I think if they make it competitive, all right, you know what? Like, I feel a little bit like, obviously, I'm not happy with where the team is, yeah. but we know that we still have talent where we can compete with the AFC's best. So it still makes me feel like, okay, maybe like Chris Ballard, you know, maybe his job isn't as warm. It's still hot but not as warm as Frank's, you know, because he's clearly the team has talent still. And they're, they clearly, you know, if they can get the quarterback position right and fix some things, you know, in the off season, like you never know, but I don't know. I I'm just intrigued to see how this week plays out. Hey, Tyler H. This is not meant to be as aggressive as it's going to come off. Ballard did not build these chiefs. He did not build these chiefs. He did not draft George (laughs) Karloftis. He did not pick up Chris Jones. He, he didn't like he didn't even draft Mahomes, did he? Or did uh, he? I'm not even sure if he did that. Yeah. So what, no, what like I understand he was yeah. there, and and look, yeah, like I understand that they took Ceh before JT. I'm not saying that you hit a home run on every single pick, but what I am saying is you draft for what you have in your locker room, and clearly, Alec Pierce, I think, is probably a good talent. I think he could be a good talent. I think Quiddy Pay is a decent talent. I think Dio Adangbo is a good talent. But those are just, honestly, they've played like roster fillers. George Karloftis is a difference maker right now. In, in like, in fairness, I probably wouldn't have taken George Karloftis where they took George Karloftis this year. But, like, though, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not, like, going down pick per pick. But if you look at the performance, which is really how you should be graded based on your draft, right? the elongated performance of your team year over year is a direct effect of how you draft like it or not, you know, yes, free agency has a play in that, but name me free agents that Kansas city has actually brought in. They brought in some line. Like they're bringing in, they brought in guys like Sammy Watkins and Marquez Valdez Scantling 
who's like a big shot guy, but like, you know, I don't even know if he was top 20 in the offseason as far as wide receivers, in my opinion. So, I, I mean, I, I think that that, you know, just to answer you there, Tyler, Ballard did not build these Chiefs. He he was involved in some of the player personnel decisions, but he isn't responsible for your, you know, you, what you're seeing on that field today. So, yeah. sorry, I just had to address that. No, you're good. Yeah, you're good. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I think I've kind of touched on most of the stuff that I wanted to talk about. I didn't know how long this would go, you know, just kind of, kind of just airing it out a little bit, just trying to figure out this puzzling team this year. <laughs> Very puzzling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's the deal. I, you know, I think we can probably make some moves and put a better product on the field this Sunday than we have in the first two Sundays. And that's really what I think it's about. I'm not going to use the 1% cliche, which admittedly guys, I do use that with my team. Okay. So, so I do appreciate the sentiment. The problem is, is when you don't execute on the 1% and when there's nothing to be accountable to the 1%, then it just becomes a shtick. Um, and I think that that's kind of what it's become. Uh, and I think we can somewhat compete this Sunday. I don't think we walk out with a victory. But like you said, can we walk out? not on our backs being drug out on a stretcher because we gave up in the first quarter and got rolled. Or as Derek says, hashtag Molly Womped. I love <laughs> that from last week, from those of you who listen to Cody and or to Derek's live stream of the games. Like, I love that word. <laughs> That's a good word. word. Uh, uh, I didn't even hear that one. I was, uh, I was trying to enjoy my day being with <laughs> friends, you know, I didn't really have confidence what this team would do. And turns out I was right for that week, at least. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to this week, nonetheless, yeah. regardless of how it turns out. Um, you know, and I think the thing is, man, if this team can, if, if these issues continue and the locker room is lost, I mean, I guess the silver lining, if there is any silver lining, is that you might actually finally get an opportunity to get a franchise quarterback, which yeah. is awesome. You know, I Just love hope that. they make the right decision. Hopefully. <laughs> That's also true. Uh. Well, hey, I saw a lot of people from a lot of places out there that aren't Indiana. Love you, Indiana listeners and and engaged folks, by the way. But, you know, I saw a guy from Arizona. Shout out to you. Appreciate everybody stopping by. Um, Yeah. Flat out, we love the Colts, but I also love football. Like, I'm into football. So anytime you ever want to chat, you can hit me up. You know, we have, like Cody said, we've got, we've got a factually football site. We've got a factually football YouTube. We've got email, all that stuff. You can get in contact with us in many ways. We also have a Facebook page, all that good stuff. So feel free to reach out. I'm always more than happy to entertain good conversation. So, but thank you for most for, for tuning in. Get it mountain cactus. I see you out there. He's a Colts fan. My dad lives down there. Oh yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Dad's in Tucson. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yep. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you to everybody who has stopped by today. Um, there's still about 158 people in here. If you would do me a favor, hit that like button, subscribe. Also check out our channel over there. Um, if you're curious or if the link didn't work for you guys, um, just go on to our channel and check out. There's like some featured channels that we have. If actually football should be on there. Last I checked, we had 10 subscribers, Adam. I'd love to get that up. Yeah. Um, get some more listeners over there. So, but yeah, I think that's all I need. Uh, to just get it all out and hopefully that was therapeutic for some of you guys who 
maybe are feeling similar. Um, we don't always have to agree. I just ask that people please be respectful. Um, even if you disagree with our takes on things, you know, that's kind of what it's for. So yeah. Uh, anything else from you, Adam, before we sign off here? Nothing, man. Probably going to go watch some, some college football tonight in Indiana. Right. It's nice and cool. Probably got a nice little whiskey and a bowl of chili. Got my name on it. So, uh, Watch some football all and uh, have a good weekend. How about yeah. you, Cody? Anything big, big going on? I know you're not going to the game this weekend. I'm not. No, I couldn't do that. Um, no, tomorrow I have something back in my like hometown, so I'm going to go down there. And uh, there's like a local street fair going on down there this week, um, so I'm going to probably stop by there. I hadn't been in a number of years, so that's kind of what I'm doing this weekend. It'll kind of be nice, a nice like getaway for the day. And um, yeah, other than that, man, I. Uh, it's going to be hopefully a fun week. Right on. Yeah, I'll be at uh, section 116 if any of you go to the game. I'll, I'll stand outside there, and that's where my I'm lucky enough to get some season tickets there. So uh, feel free to stop by if you see me. Give me a shout. Say hey, and uh, have a good one all. Absolutely. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. Uh, appreciate everybody's support, and as always, guys, go Colts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.